People only said fashion, fashion. It was always fashion. You either, you either had to be in the heart of it or ahead of it, but you can never be behind it. Let me tell you one thing. When you have style, you can wear sable to church. Or something really classy, like, like white leather. Hi, it's me, Can't Not. So today's guest is Will, fashion designer and owner of A Collection, which carries a thoughtful and timeless curation of vintage pieces paired with Will's own designs available to shop online at www.a-collection.shop. Hi. Hey. (laughs) Did that sound good to you? Yeah, that sounded really good. I mean, it's probably what I would have said, but like it's... Okay. To hear it from someone else and and not your own brain is like kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) So much more could be said. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for doing this. No, thank you for having me. It's very, <laughs> it's very, it's very nice to be asked to, to talk about the project. <laughs> yeah, hmm. and you said you're calling me from Italy. Yes, yeah, I'm in Italy at the moment. Um, I'm in Rome at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you been based there for a long time? Um, I think I. It's funny because with the pandemic, time kind of just like died. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I've been here a while now. I, I'm I'm here and then I go back and forward between, I could try and go to London a lot. and I try and go okay. back to Jersey, which is where I'm from. Um, I spent, yes. I'm in France as well. So I'm kind of a bit all over the place, particularly because we'll talk about it later, but I kind of source all over the place. So, but this is where I like call home. I'm very jealous. I'd love to call Rome home. It's a very beautiful place. Very, very, yeah, I feel very, very happy. And you said you're from Jersey. I am. Um, not New Jersey, like everybody always thinks when I say Jersey. Everyone's like, New Jersey? I'm like, no. <laughs> My voice, but I mean, I think maybe other people can't like discern between accents. But yeah, I'm from Jersey Island, which is pretty near France. Um, but it's, it's British. Yeah. Yes. Which I actually know. Really? You, did you know about it before knowing me? My wife is from Jersey. Oh. Oh. <laughs> name? I'm not going to tell you the name on the podcast. That's confidential, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> like, forgetting this isn't just like a random conversation. But I'm from New Jersey. So I got educated real quick about the origins of New Jersey. <laughs> did they teach you that in New Jersey? They don't teach you that in New Jersey. Um, they only teach you that in Jersey. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's so funny. Oh my gosh, you probably like know all the places that I go in. <laughs> I know all the places. And yeah, anybody who doesn't know of Jersey, honestly, just Google it. Because yeah. it's beautiful. It is, I'm, I feel very lucky to yes, have it's, a, it's, that place to go to. <laughs> it's, very, it's a very unique place and going back there for me represents like I don't know something very special because I don't actually go back that often now but yeah it's it's very tranquil in a way that like you really can't find in many other places so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I see that and were you interested in fashion when you were growing up or what brought you to fashion it's funny because I've been trying to think about this Mm because I knew that this would come up and 
I realized that I was actually like desperately unfashionable when I was <laughs> younger, like literally until I was 15, I think, or until I was like 14. I feel like my mum dressed me, which I think might be the experience of like a lot of people. Yeah. And well, did you have to wear a uniform? Yes, at school there was an imposed uniform. Yeah. And I mean, I was at an all boys school that feels mm. wildly inappropriate given how I identify now as a person. Um, but in an all boys school for from when I was, I mean, literally a child until I was 13, 14. So, and it was imposed uniform and it was very, you know, quite strict. So short hair, cropped hair, not allowed to have like hair below your ears. And yeah, a very, very dictated dress code at school. Right. And then, I mean, and then, and this is kind of where things started to make more sense suddenly to me was when I actually decided to leave that school against everyone's expectation. I mean, I was supposed to go and do A-levels like everybody else does. And and a friend of my sister was a, was doing a B-tech at art and design school, which is kind of like a diploma, I guess, in the US. Mm-hmm. And I think with like four days before school started back, I just decided to leave and I went and did the VTech. And there I met people that I had never even sort of like knew existed. And it was at that point that I think I started to see and appreciate the different ways that people dressed. I think before I'd almost been like, I think it had almost been like invisible to me in some way I'd been it was so not of a concern I spent like 90% of my life in a uniform mm-hmm. um, and suddenly it was like you can wear what you want every day and there's like you know the emo kids with all the makeup and all of this and all of that and then there's all the goths who are wearing all of these things and everyone's yeah the know, cafeteria themselves in like the a way cafeteria table and mean girls <laughs> yeah, literally we had that was actually the best very very stereotypical cafeteria at that school and mm. literally was just like all the different groups on all the different tables and you know the school also had like that was like car engineering and all sorts of different things it was just a crazy mixture of different types of people and to be honest like I'd say like 90% of the people I probably wouldn't have normally been around like it's just that school kind of brought us all together so it was it was a very special time and I learned a lot about different types of people and and I think it was also at that point like I was able to express more like my sexuality I was able to like express more my gender and my identity Mm -hmm. um and that was yeah I think that all feeds into the way you dress you know I think that's that definitely makes sense Mm -hmm. you know knowing a little bit about Jersey I feel like you kind of need to leave the island it's really good that you got that opportunity to explore those things at such a crucial age probably like a defining moment I think so yeah I mean I I do often think about if I just stayed and done my A-levels you know because I'd have then been two more years in that school and then ultimately Mm -hmm. that school was it was a great school but it was very very you know intent on all of its students going to like great universities and doing very academic things you know it was you know, art and design, all of those things were kind of supplementary subjects, you know, they weren't the the focus, they were the sort of like, little extra thing that you got to do, like. Could you imagine yourself doing an academic subject? 
yeah, it could easily have happened. But I always feel like things express themselves eventually. It sounds cheesy, but you can't like bury like the creative urge to do creative things forever. Like it's always, it's always, you know, the kind of yeah. Like, it's it's always there. No, I see that. It was. That the creative side was always there. So you were saying you were in Rome, and I definitely get the sense from your stories yeah. that you source in person. Yes. Yeah. Not specifically here. Right. And you don't need to tell me, like, your sources or, like, where you go specifically, yeah, yeah. but I really love that. And I think it's interesting because I know a lot of current, like, archive sellers... Mm source online it's a bit of both um i think the online sourcing is probably much easier you can get a lot done Mm. it's a lot less on foot you don't have to travel as much you know i go to like france like once a year and i can i go to all sorts of other places i go to like london and because you never know what you'll find like even jersey and i found like really exciting things which you know have become part of the collection so it's more time consuming but Mm. I like to touch things and I like to feel things and you can also not really online get a sense of the condition something is in I've bought things online and received sort of like subpar condition Mm. pieces which is a shame because you know that hasn't been disclosed etc etc so but unless you really trust your online source, then um, it's a little bit, it can be a little bit touch and go, like in terms of just like condition. And I don't want to sell things that are in poor condition. I'm very like, I'm very careful about that because I just think that there's nothing worse than getting a parcel and opening it and you receive something that's like not as fabulous as it is in the photos or what you mm. expect. No, definitely, yeah. definitely. It's hard to shop online. You definitely want to trust the person you're buying yeah, from. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm. But really, there's there's no one specific place. I think that's the main highlight with sourcing. It's just, it's a constant thing. But I'm lucky that because I not only do, uh, this is another thing, I not only do a collection of collections, I also sell wholesale to shops, like people come to me and ask me to source things for their stores so I do a lot of that oh do you yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so that's actually like I would say currently the biggest part of my income like the most important part right. of it and that essentially funds a collection to be very specific I'm I feel like I'm quite specific in the types of items I pick and um yeah your curation is beautiful I feel like sense. They feel like pieces that you can own forever and they don't really go out of style yeah. but and they have like design details but also that could be the designer in you I don't know Perhaps, yeah I think um I think it's been really definitely really uh important and just like really special to be able to do the collections in very specifically in the way that I wanted to curate them and it's not fully there yet I think I mean we are only like barely barely six months old actually so it's actually really really new the the story Mm. but but you've been doing it for a while because you were with the zoo if I'm correct yeah I mean I should probably there should be a whole section on that because that's like that's the whole like formative experience with Christine at the zoo um Mm. we can almost maybe get back to that 
in a little bit. Um, but no, I've, yeah, I was two and a bit years at the zoo with Christine and we were traveling and sourcing together. We went all over the place, you know, that's really always been a big part of her, um, identity with the shop, with her store is that it, it's a traveling store. So, you know, she go around France, we go to Eastern Europe, we go to literally anywhere. I mean, like everywhere on the way to those places, Berlin, it's, it's really about that adventure. And I think that's also where I really learned to love that adventure. Um, mm -hmm. I think when you travel, you bring in different influences and it's nice. You know, if you're in one place, it's very much influenced by that one place. And I think the richness comes from uh, from the, the sourcing in different locations. Um, definitely makes it more complicated. Yeah. It's a bit more exhausting, but it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. No, you can see that. You can see there's a richness with the pieces that you collect. You have some designers, but you also have like just really lovely vintage pieces that you can tell, you know, may have been from wherever you found yeah. it. But it's still really special. And like just because it's not tied to a designer's name, but it's made well. And I, I appreciate those pieces in your curation. That's yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm happy that you like that. that that's I, I want to say evident because for mm. me, like, I do think, and it's absolutely no, like, uh, this is not a read on other vintage shops. I love all vintage stores <laughs> and all the different types of things different people are doing. And some people are very serious, as you said, about like one or two specific designers. And that's amazing. I don't think I could ever be that person, actually, which we will get to later. Mm -hmm. I have an archive. I don't really want to call it an archive. But I collect Romeo Gilles clothes. Um, I have a lot mm -hmm. of pieces of him. And I don't ever sell his pieces because I can't let go of them, essentially. Um, so I do have, I want to say, like a serious collection of his work. But I think for the store, it's very important to me that that it's not, yeah, that it, it, that it, isn't, ne it isn't necessarily about the designer name. The reality is designers also made some really ugly things like that's and that's we all we all do that as designers we all make some you know not so exciting pieces and i think oftentimes for me the thing that feels and is most exciting to find isn't necessarily tied to a designer you know it's um it's about so much more as uh, it's hard to explain when you find something that's really just like got that feeling to it but of course like I've made and learned to make clothes in the past like you know when you hold a piece of tailoring that's been you know that's got all the layers of the canvas and it's been hand stitched and it's got all of these details in it you really like you can really there's like a lightness to these garments I can't explain it at all um just because it's designer it doesn't mean that it's exclusive it's exclusively going to be like an exciting piece. I don't know. It could be. It, it's not exclusive to clothes. It's every everything. It's some things just have like that feeling um, when you see or hold them, and that's. I mean, we're always chasing that. I think. I at least I am. <laughs> yeah. If we all had that kind of thought process when it came to shopping and buying everything that we own, I think the world would be a better place. <laughs> There'd certainly be less stuff. That's definitely. Yeah. That would definitely be a thing, yeah. Do you have, like, a favorite country or city you love to go for sourcing, or are they all equally, like, 
a love affair. <laughs> Everywhere I've lived is like a different, it's a, di it's a different, yeah, a different love affair and a different style in all of those different cities. I lived in Paris when I left home for, till I was 21, 22. Mm -hmm. So I was, of course, all the flea markets in Paris, um, sourcing there and, you know, finding French designer pieces, Saint Laurent, Celine, all of that kind of stuff for not a lot of money back then. I mean, that was, I'd say eight, uh, was it eight years ago? Eight, or eight, eight ish years ago. And the, you know, the competition has gone up and people are more aware of, you know, the price of items and, you know, back, back in the yeah. day, back then, which is saying, I'm saying eight years, like it's a lifetime ago. It's not even that long, but. Obviously it's becoming more and more popular mm. to like source designers source vintage have you noticed like a change throughout the years do you feel like things are picked through or the prices have gone up or, i think the prices know? have certainly gone up it's mm. of course everything is still available in some extent it's just yeah. it's really more about the pricing you know i remember in france this woman would just sort of like pull up a car and she just put up her rails and well you'd she'd be on a street corner near my house and she was selling the most amazing things i mean i i really like kick myself for not having bought more at the time but I was a student and there wasn't loads of money and you know I was just like not in the mindset to spend that money on that thing I was thinking about school and the fact that I should buy some fabric and make right. you know, do that sort of stuff and I was working but I wasn't collecting that much stuff but in hindsight my goodness would I have bought more stuff you know she used to have like really amazing pieces of like Yoji and Comme de Garçon and loads of Izzy Miak and it was all like literally like 30 or 40 euro really inexpensive wow. you would never find it now you just wouldn't like no you wouldn't no. would you because now it's like everyone knows what they have or they're like trying to they're buying to resell yeah exactly I mean the, I think that's the thing the reselling uh industry has just become significantly bigger and I mean I am part of that essentially so I think it's a good thing for sure um I feel like it's it's kind of challenging the way people shop and I'm hoping that it influences people to to you know think a little bit about the things they're acquiring I think so I mean when I sort of started to write down what this store dream store in my head I think the main thing I thought was if it isn't vintage and it is new then it has to be mm. exceptional otherwise there isn't any point um, and that's that. still literally like that's penned to my table and it has to sit really well amongst quite amazing vintage items so that's also it also sets a kind of I don't want to say a standard but in some respects it sets a sort of level that things need to be on and that's I think that's great you know I think it's really important that we remember like the standards of quality that you know we should be holding ourselves to and the standards of just design that we should be holding ourselves to as well absolutely did you were you designing before you were collecting or so I mean I went, I what went, came first yeah I went to Paris and I was studying like dressmaking and tailoring and of design there as well it was mostly technical um, and they would encourage mm -hmm. us to in a very sort of like Martin Margiela way they would encourage us to sort of like gather 
not expensive vintage clothes, very inexpensive vintage clothes, and sort of try and drape them and study them into like new, into new kind of forms and to learn from them essentially. So that's when I started mm-hmm. to just buy things, but it, I was never, I was, at that point I wasn't buying expensive things, you know. And I think I remember buying myself like a Saint Laurent shirt from a vintage store in Paris. Like, again, it wasn't a lot of money. You'd laugh now, it's like, it was like, it was like 55 euros or something. Like an old Reeve Gauche one. Um, and I remember mm-hmm. buying that and that sort of being like one of the first things of quality, as well as a Celine suit also, skirt suit that I bought. I remember buying those and seeing the way that they were made and really starting to think, my gosh, like this, uh, this is a, like, this is a big challenge. Like uh, to make clothes that right. well is not an easy thing to do. And I think that pushed me at, definitely at school to to really like get good at sewing and really take those classes really seriously. Um, I would I wouldn't say I'm. I'm not a master tailor, you know, I haven't tailored for seven years in Savile Row, but um, I have worked in production in factories and I would say that my knowledge of definitely making garments is quite strong. Um, yeah, I hope. Yeah. There's always something to learn, of course. I'm not saying I'm like a master <laughs> of it, but um, it's, it's something I very much care about. So in that respect um Mm. yeah I'm very scrupulous about the kinds of things that I source and the way that the things that I make are made yeah I would say it's different when someone's collecting and they have got this knowledge as a designer Mm. and they can understand those those details and things that are exciting and Mm. really like hard to do and you Mm. can appreciate that no do you make clothes a lot or are you designing as and when, is it more for yourself? Do you know? Yeah, what I definitely know what you're trying to say. The answer is not as much as I would like. Okay. Purely based on at the moment time restraints, um, just mm-hmm. the reality of doing what I, we, vintage resellers, if you want to call us that, or collection makers <laughs> I don't know what to call us I don't like vintage reseller particularly but I suppose that's what it is um you many people who do this kind of work they'll tell you that it's actually quite challenging in terms of time particularly because it's like there's the sourcing which is stage one and then there's the styling everything together okay not everybody does that some people shoot singles etc and that's great but you know curating that takes time to, cur- to curate the collection and then shoot those collections um the admin side which is like writing copy deciding on pricing editing all the photos making sure everything's presentable and like reading well in a way on the website you know? even though it's lots of different little things it does take up kind of a phenomenal amount of time so in that respect my time is unfortunately not necessarily as as available as I would like it to be to be making things. But when I do, and when they end up in the collections, I'm very happy. It's, it really is like a big part of what I wanted AC to be. Like it's, it, there's two sides to it. And that the, the, is the vintage and it is the new and those, two, those things must come together for me. Um, mm-hmm. And then also trying to encourage eventually other people to 
to maybe work on items for the store as well. That's definitely something that's really important to me. You know, like I've, I've obviously been yeah. in design for a while, so I have a lot of friends in in the in the design world who who are just making the most amazing things and. I think it would be really special to have a store that highlighted those people as well. Um, because at the end of the day, those people don't really get enough, um, don't really get enough visibility. It feels like there's this code you have to crack online in order to gain popularity or visibility as an emerging designer. And unfortunately, it leaves out a lot of really talented young designers who may not have the means to produce at a certain scale or may not even have the desire to because that might yeah, I, mean they have to sacrifice their quality. Yeah, I, I, I do just think that, as you said, there are a lot of people that don't want to do necessarily a big production. And also there are a lot of very special designers who are not the best spokespeople for themselves for whatever reason that is, and maybe they don't want to be. And currently, it feels like in fashion, you have to be a very, very good spokesperson and you have to be very, very, not necessarily physically, but you have to be a very attractive personality. And that doesn't mm-hmm. benefit everybody. There are some people who just love to make things and don't necessarily want to like, you know, bang a drum in the town square and tell everybody about it. And that's it's those kinds of people that I'm very drawn to because I think that they're doing a very quiet kind of work, which is, which is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's, mm-hmm. that'll be a whole nother kind of adventure of sourcing, finding these, these designers who are doing really like special things. Yeah. And then also trying to make things myself, of course. And for me, the challenge I think will be how those things can sit together and, I don't think it'll be a problem in terms of styling because I think all things can converse price point wise when that sits on a website and you are faced with like, this is how much this new artisanal dress costs. It's like, yes, it's a lot. It's made to order. But I think the reality is, I hope we are all coming to a point where we're starting to understand that these things actually do just have to cost money because there's you know, an immense number of hours involved. It's handmade, potentially, potentially entirely handmade. Um, and yeah. that is different to a mass-produced garment. Um, and nothing against fast fashion. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not out to, like, tear anyone down. Like, that's them, they're doing that. I am. I, mean, <laughs> I know. I mean, I should... I, I'm being too kind. I never buy fast fashion obviously i think it's absolutely horrendous um yeah look, don't at, my, be look at my u-turn but i'm i think i'm too nice you know i'm trying to you're very polite i mean the same way as that i because obviously we exchanged some notes you know before um and i noticed that you'd put a note about like designer quality and how that's changed and there are definitely designers mm. that i could like very easily name and shame but it's no, totally. But you definitely have noticed a quality change in some designers, oh. knowing their vintage pieces and like knowing their current what they're currently putting Great out there. Many. I unfortunately I would mm-hmm. I would say most. Um it's, yeah. it, it really is most, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. there are exceptions to the rule, which is always nice to see. Um 
But I find often that the, the exceptions to the rule tend to have a very, very strict control of their production. Um, I think the best example is someone like Rick Owens. He owns his production facility, which is in the north of Italy. And I think yeah. because he is there very often and he produces the collections there, I believe. I mean, obviously he's part-time in Paris or whatever. I don't know the structure of the company that well, but mm-hmm. I know that their production facility is based there. And I think because he's had that control of that production facility since the beginning of them coming to Europe and starting to produce the collections here, those staff are just so in tune with what he expects quality wise. So when you go into the store and you see his pieces, they're they're exceptional. And this is Rick. I found it the other day and it's also exceptional. It's like the best silk jersey, you know, it's just like, it's fantastic. But if I went into the store tomorrow, I I would find exactly the same quality and jersey piece. It's, it, it hasn't changed, you know, and that's really special actually to, that is really special that's really those things are out there but that is a huge responsibility for him to control that quality and to own that facility so it's no surprise that a lot of companies are willing to sort of like reduce the quality and perhaps outsource the production and you know they're not as involved in the production and then you know it ends up going very far down the line and you sort of like end up not controlling the quality in a way that's perhaps as it was, um, there is a -hmm. certain designer collaborations that have been happening lately. I won't name names, you probably know. They're doing a lot of collaborations at the moment. Um, And their garments are very, their vintage garments are very desirable. Um, And the quality of the new stuff is, I mean, I'll use just, it's just shocking, honestly. It is not the same kind of mesh. It is not the same kind of production. <laughs> I feel like I know it's what you're talking so about. so shocking to go and see the pieces. It is so, so, so shocking to touch them. It's like touching, a, oh. it, honestly, I feel like it's like going, it's like holding a piece of sheen with the, with the designer's label in it. It's actually insane. Oh. I I really believe and you. They I mean, are charging a fortune for those pieces, and people are buying them because people just care about how things look for Instagram. They don't care about how things feel. But that designer, <sighs> the way that those fabrics used to feel is just when you find a good vintage piece by this designer, who I won't name. Um, it's <laughs> a very special experience to find those pieces, and it's very very sad that it's. That it's gone the way yeah, it's gone because it does it didn't need to. I just don't get it. Like it can't. I mean, maybe it's just costing them significantly less to manufacture it in the way they are now. But it's it is it's sad to see. That's for sure. And yeah, it's sad. For, sad. I think it's disappointing for the designer themselves because they are essentially like diluting this incredible legacy that they created. Um, I, I don't yeah. understand. And I don't understand what? that. For what? For some money, maybe? or Money and clout, almost. It's like to stay relevant, but to do it quick and cheap. Yeah, but I think people are missing the point. I, I think relevance is in the longevity and the quality and the timelessness. You know, like, look at, like, someone like Yoji. Look at Yoji, like, the, again, someone whose quality's never changed. You know, like, you 
go and see the clothes now and you find the vintage stuff equally as good, you know. I just think a lot of people have it wrong. I, I think they think that because visually on Instagram it's performing really well, that that mm. is an indication of their success. But I think they've misunderstood what people truly are actually looking for, which is something that will last a very long time and be something that they'll probably even be able to give to their children. I mean, that's the best, the best, that's the best yeah. case scenario for a piece of clothing is that you literally give it to your, your child and that they can like wear that for their entire life. Yes. Yes. That's what we and want. The clothes right now that are being made, uh, they're just not in that category in terms of quality. They will not last that long. Well, speaking of kind of poorly made fashion for me, and I'm sure for many people, the place that I would go to get affordable quality pieces was at a thrift store in America. I know in the UK it's called yes. a charity shop. But I feel like I, now when I go, they're filled with Sheen yeah. and Zara and yeah. H&M. What do you think happens next? Like when those resources for those types of items are filled with fast fashion, like where do people go to get that? affordable mm. quality piece well this is the first part i think people will always be able to discern between i hope but maybe not i'm saying this but actually i'm then second guessing what i'm saying because i hope that people can always discern quality from poor quality potentially because there's mm. now so much poor quality clothing in the world that we just sort of get numb to what it does mean to just wear something that feels good yeah and I'm not saying that in an, in an elitist way I'm not saying that there's like a certain type of people who don't understand quality because they can't understand it that is a big part of a problem as well with, with mm -hmm. fast fashion of course is that it it does enable everyone to buy clothing which I think is actually you know it is important that everybody is able to own something and own new garments of course I think there are better ways of allowing people to afford those items. You know, mm. showing someone that, yes, you can buy a hundred pounds of clothes that month, 150 pounds of clothes that month, but in six months, they're probably going to be gone. That like you're probably not going to be wearing any of them anymore. Or you could take that 150 pounds a month over a year, but they could then mm -hmm. just buy five pieces that year which they actually might be able to wear for like literally the rest of their lives. You know, I still wear a jacket from when I was 14. I just turned 30. That yeah. is 16 years old, that jacket. I probably will have that forever. I mean, it's, I doubt it's going to fall apart anytime mm -hmm. soon. It's very, very well made. And I bought that from a flea market and it didn't cost very much. Um, so I think it's, yeah. there's a big part of it is education and trying to educate people into understanding that, fast fashion has hidden itself under this sort of cloak of being available to everybody and inclusive and and fast and you can have it here and now but there needs to be an education of yes i know it feels like it's very affordable and very available but the other th the other option is also as available to you just in a very different way and it yeah it'll it just it just requires like 
retraining your brain brain. seeing your budget as this monthly like 100 pound budget which is i mean i think honestly i think people are spending a lot a lot of money on fast fashion they are and it's money kind of going down down the drain i do know people who will go into like primark and spend like 300 pounds um, right. But do they not when realize? you can invest that money in in like a piece yeah. that and if they're doing that, years, they're doing that five times a year, that's a lot. That's that represents quite a lot of money. And vintage yeah. designer fashion is not as expensive as actually people perhaps think. You know, it is no, it's not invest in a piece that you love and wear it forever. So we all need. Uh, there needs to be some retraining in terms of how. People mm-hmm. People... I think you said it perfectly. Yeah, I think I feel like I've said it like five different times but in like a million but different ways. I, but... It's just like so my thing. Like I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Um, I, I, so... really, I really want to like emphasize the fact that this is um, that I, I understand like why people buy fast fashion. Um, I yeah. do understand. And I do think that there is a way in which everyone i hope should be able to afford quality clothing and that is mm-hmm. by the means in which i've already explained like a million times but yeah i'm, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is i feel like i'm like trying to like dig myself out of like some hole of creative myself. don't don't you don't I, have to because i completely agree with you and I, I, I just i just fear that like a lot of people feel would feel attacked by what i've said well I grew up not with money and loving fashion. And the only place that I could actually feel like I can feel happy being interested in fashion was with vintage clothes because I understood what fast fashion was at a certain age. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't afford ready-to-wear designer ever in my life. So this, like, vintage and, and, you know, going to thrift stores and finding archive pieces that were really affordable in a sense that they're investment pieces. It Mm. it was my only way I I could access that and actually have, like, a happiness around fashion because everything else is really bleak. I mean, the the power of the charity shop is... Yeah, I, I think it's a really important conversation that like needs to be had. Like, I just think I'm really like passionate about it and trying to yeah. understand collectively how we can make make items affordable for all demographics of people. I just think it. Mm-hmm. I think that's honestly. I think that's like one of the biggest challenges that we're facing at the moment because that that will in turn massively help the environmental issue that we're also suffering from yeah you know so i will stop i will stop talking about it i could literally write a book on it um i know so could i yeah let's finish with my can't can't not spitfire Mm. so you say can't if you don't like it and can't not means you love it okay i'm probably gonna say can't not to everything because i feel like i no these are very random it's very random Oh, it's not to do with clothes, necessarily? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the first one is Uggs. Oh, I'm going to, this is going to really like upsell off people. I'm going to say can't not. I have never, I've, I've never owned a pair of Uggs in my life. But you uh, wish you did. Here's a story. My dad got a pair of Uggs not so long ago for like his birthday or something mm-hmm. and 
they actually look kind of cool. <laughs> I am missing. I really want a pair of Uggs, to be honest. <laughs> he, he was. I, I when I went back to Jersey, he was like sat like reading in his Uggs with like his like normal day to day clothes on, but like wearing the Uggs, and I was like that's actually really good it just had that kind of off kilter feel to it that I really appreciate so yeah Yeah. Uggs can't not love it okay this is actually really specific to you and no one probably knows what I'm talking about when I say this Mm -hmm. the real housewives of Jersey can't (laughs) never seen it never will do you watch any of the real housewives like in the world I've seen a like a season of the uh is it uh Beverly, Beverly Hills sorry I'm like literally like yeah I'm, I'm like currently binge watching Beverly Hills it's crazy I can't stop <laughs> yeah I've seen a few seasons of it but I felt like it was a bit of a wormhole sink like in a bit of a sinkhole um it is a sinkhole I'm yeah. in I'm currently in the hole and it's not good have you seen the most recent Hamlet Lang collection by yes, Peter Doe I have seen it okay can't can't not can't me that company should have just closed when he left it wasn't good but what let's not drag it like this this is not what this podcast is about but it's it's a very 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 big pair of shoes to try and fill a measure up to and i truly believe that when he left it should have ended like so many great companies should (laughs) i agree okay last one is ozempic I don't know enough about it. I'm going to say can't because I've heard that people taking it is like robbing people who really need it of having it. So that's a can't for me. Nice. That's a nice um, moral standpoint. Yeah. Love it. And then we'll just end on if you have a style tip for the listeners. I think if you find, I think if you find something that you really like and you put it on, you put it with an outfit and you feel really good in it, um, mm-hmm. your enjoyment of that item is is your conviction. I think a lot of people fear um, fear being like ridiculed for dressing up maybe in an eccentric way or putting something on in a certain way or styling something in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I think you just shouldn't. If, if it feels good to you, it's probably communicating very strongly to everybody else. And um, I think a great many trends come from those moments of people just throwing on that thing, you know, and just feeling kind of that enjoyment in themselves. I think so many trends have come from those moments. So yeah, that would be my tip. It's a bit of a not non-tip, but it's, it's a tip. I think it's a great tip. It's a good tip. Well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it's so nice to talk to you. No, thank you for having me. It's been really nice. Yeah, great. All right. Have a nice evening. You too. Bye. Bye. <laughs>